I'm Kate Daniels. We are weeks into this, uh, what will we call, new reality. We're still learning and adjusting. And so this morning, we have a great opportunity by meeting Elise Dickerson, one woman who shares some of her life and navigating tips to help us along. Elise is CEO and co-founder of Eosera, a majority woman-owned biotech company. Elise is a wife, a mother as well, and now we get to chat and hear about some of her life and experiences. Elise Dickerson, good morning. It is so wonderful to connect with you this morning. Good morning. I am so excited to be able to speak with you and share your experiences and your story because I think that uh, it very much parallels the the life that many of us have in the context of, you know, we have work, we have to shift how that work's doing, we have kids at home, they're uh, not in school, we need to juggle all of that, and that is your new reality, right? It is, yes. I'm uh, owner of a biotech company, uh, but I also have two children in middle school and a husband um, that's at home full-time now uh, with the coronavirus and a dog. (laughs) (laughs) So it's definitely just a a new way of being that we're at home. But in your case, because of being the owner of this biotech company, you're also having to split some of your time and, and uh, head to the office because it's, it's an, uh, one of the required uh, pieces of work that needs to be done. Yes. So we have, um, we make a line of ear care products and the company name is Eosera. And so we have production workers that, you know, their livelihood is, is um, tied up in manufacturing our products. And so because we are still able to work, we're considered a essential business because we're healthcare products. Um, we have had to shift, um, you know, dramatically in how we uh, try to protect our employees. But, you know, my number one goal was to try to keep these employees employed so that they had a paycheck because, um, you know, we're seeing all over people losing their jobs and, as a business owner, that's the last thing that I want to do is, is have to lay off people. And you've not had to do that in your case? We have not had to do that yet, knock on wood. And we've, we've just applied for the Paycheck Protection pr- uh, Plan from the SBA, and I'm waiting to hear back on that. But, you know, we're trying to utilize some of the government resources that are being put out. Um, but that takes a lot of time and, you know, reading to try to understand the regulations and, um, you know, get all the correct paperwork pulled together. And uh, it's just one more thing added on top of all the other responsibilities that I and, you know, everyone else has in their life. And the other other piece of this that's really fascinating in terms of your company, it's a, a majority woman-owned company. Yes. So I'm the CEO of the company. I co-founded it with a uh, former colleague. We worked in a big uh, pharmaceutical company for about 15 years together. And uh, we came together in a 2015 and started this company. And um, and so, yes, I'm the ma- majority owner and, and, and the CEO of the company. And so it's exciting in the biotech field, which usually is, you know, male dominated um, to be to be a woman um, succeeding in this area. Right. And doing something, actually, it intrigues me that uh, this is about ear care because uh, 
I imagine that's going to be an issue I face. My mother faced it in her life where it, she just had, began to have, as she aged, uh, a lot of problems with earwax. And, and here, now I'm finding like, oh, there's a product to deal with this. It's like, oh, great. This is really important. <laughs> well, exactly. And what was so interesting when we started this company, we... Um, we just spent a lot of time talking to doctors because we had a lot of different ideas, product ideas, but we, we wanted the market to tell us where the biggest gaps were. And earwax impaction was something that came up over and over again with geriatricians, pediatricians, just general practitioners. Pretty much every doctor we talked to said, if you could give me a product that gets you know rid of earwax quickly um, and people can do it at home, it would be a game changer um, for ear care. And so we said, okay, we'll, we'll take that challenge. And we spent about nine months in a lab, um, and just you know, spending money out of our own savings accounts, trying to formulate a product. And, uh, nine months later came out with a product that worked and, um, we've kind of been off to the races since then. That was our first product. And now we have a whole line of ear care products that, um, you know, not only address wax, but, painful ears, itching ears, uh, regular hygiene, um, you know, weekly cleaning products. So it's been a real um, fun journey to um, explore ear care and bring things to market that people really need. And we can find those products under Eosera, is that right? You can. Um, We're also in about 13,000 stores nationwide. So we're in CVS stores. We're in Rite Aid stores. We're on Amazon. We sell off of our own website. And we're continually trying to expand into more retailers. And so we know that this is something that affects a lot of us. I can even remember at one time, actually, when I was still in high school, having that kind of wax build up, and it gave me vertigo, and I had to write exams, and it, it's such a challenge. So it really has a huge impact on our life. It does. And what we've seen over the last 10 years is the use of earbuds and AirPods, you know, it's pervasive. And it actually causes our ears to produce more wax than normal because we're sticking a foreign object in our ear canal. It is pushing any wax that's already built up down further into the ear canal, and it's causing those glands in the ear to produce and pump out more oils. So it's like this perpetual problem, but that's you know the reality we live in is our kids are wearing earbuds to, to do their studies on their iPads or computers, and we're using it for our phones, and um, it's just a new reality of the world. And I never thought about that, so I'm glad that you're sharing that about the, the use of those earbuds. They bug me, so I can't, I can't b- b- deal with them, so I don't have that issue. But considering the numbers of people, the percentage of population that uses them, we see where this is definitely kind of a hand-in-hand type of situation. Absolutely. And we've done some consumer market research that um, the younger demographic, so, you know, 25 to 44 year olds, um, they really wanted a product that they could use every week to clean out their ears, um, but that wouldn't, you know, damage the environment in the ear, the natural environment in the ear. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because they're pulling out their AirPods and seeing wax on them. And, you know, it's embarrassing. 
Um, and it's not really a hygiene issue, but it's, it's just a natural body reaction to sticking something in the ear. Um, so we, we um, launched a product about six months ago that's called Ear Clean MD, and it's a weekly cleaning product that just helps keep, you know, the ear, um, you know, you want a little bit of wax, but not too much wax, and um, it, you know, just leaves the ear feeling nice and clear. Right. So we see that how important this is to ourselves, that it is an essential product. You're doing essential work, so you still have staff that needs to come in and be working on the manufacturing process. So you're needing to divide yourself between home and going to your business. Yes, because my kids are out of school, um, but they are still having school um, you know, pushed out through online platforms. Um, but, you know, my daughter's 11 and she still needs quite a bit of, you know, intervention. She needs, you know, help, you know, working through some of the, the problems and reading some of the material. My son's 14 and so he's able to do a lot more on his own. But, you know, the kids still need um, some hands-on teaching um, to really help it sink in. So my husband and I are trying to divide um, a lot of that work and then, like you said, I'm trying to manage, you know, a staff that's coming in every day. Um, we've changed how far apart they're standing, and they're all wearing masks now. Um, they've always worn gloves and hairnets and sort of, you know, uh, lab coats and that kind of thing um, because we're manufacturing drug products. But the mask is a new addition, um, and we're we're hyper cleaning everything, even doorknobs, which we didn't even think about before, but, you know, every few hours we're wiping everything down and um, because I, I want to make sure my employees are safe and that I'm safe. Right. And just to, uh, just to touch on that, everyone is safe. Everyone is healthy. Yes. Yes. And we, we um, normally for our manufacturing associates, uh, because they do work hourly, we um, did not offer sick pay um, for those employees, but when this all came down, my business partner and I sat down and we said, you know, first things first, we got to take care of these employees. If any of them are sick, um, we're going to give them two weeks pay. And, um, you know, because I didn't want people to feel like they had to come to work if they were sick, right. um, which in these hourly positions, a lot of times people do. And so... You know, we've just tried to adjust as needed, and it seems to be working. We've had a, a few people that needed to stay home, and, you know, that's great. Um, but all in all, everybody seems healthy and happy and comfortable with the situation. I do check in with them on a pretty regular basis to say, you know, are you guys comfortable with what we're doing, are comfortable coming in? Um, because, again, it's my responsibility to make sure they're, they're safe. And isn't that something that we're finding perhaps in this new environment that we're living in, that there is maybe a heightened awareness and a heightened concern for each other? Yeah, I mean, it, it's sad that it took this yes. for that to uh, happen, but it, it, it is one of the silver linings that, you know, I feel like we, we were so divided as a nation. Um, and now this is a global problem. It's not even a national problem. Um, but people are really coming together and supporting each other. And, you know, um, it it's really quite remarkable and speaks a lot to just the human spirit, I think. 
And so I think it is important for us to acknowledge that, to be aware of it and acknowledge that really when we dig a little below the surface of ourselves, that that exists and to know that that kind of humanity is there and to really accept it, embrace it and make it to just be there ever stronger. Absolutely. Right. And I wish we could remember this in the good times when, you know, everything is flying high, uh, somehow we, we, we seem to forget that we still need to take care of each other and that we are all of our basic needs are the same and, um, and we need each other. Right. And, and I, uh, with you, I hope that we do remember that because it, what a, a, a tragic loss it would be if we've experienced all of this and then just forget it and figure, you know, let's pick up and, and keep ramping up from where we used to be. Um, exactly. You know, learn some lessons here, right? Yeah. And I think it's important to talk to the kids about that. Um, you know, our kids have seen a major shift in their life right now. Um, it's the first time I've ever encouraged them to get on FaceTime with their friends <laughs> because, you know, just simple things, but I want them to not forget about the importance of that humor, human interaction and laughing and having a good time with their friends and that they take for granted on a, on a normal basis. But right now, um, as parents, we kind of have to encourage it. That yes, that they maintain that kind of connection. Exactly. And I have wondered about that because I don't have young kids at home. Talking to kids, uh, it's different, of course, being 11 and 14. But what is it like uh, to share with them? What awareness do they have? How do they feel about it? So I think I have always taken the parenting approach of um being upfront and honest with the kids, we've always allowed them, you know, to watch PBS NewsHour or, you know, the, the local news and hear about world events. And we've always traveled with our kids. And so when this all came down, again, you know, we didn't want to scare them, but we wanted them to know how serious this was. And even before really as a nation, we were taking it seriously, but, you know, why washing the hands is so important. And, and the, it's kind of explaining the why behind it, not just telling them, wash your hands. And when they understand the why behind it, and really at any age, uh, they're more likely to absorb it and actually do it. So, you know, they've stopped going to the grocery store with us. They've, you know, they're really, they are really at home. Um, but they know why they're at home. Right. Do you find that it it is a concern for them, or they know what it is and they just kind of move over, move on, and want to 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 do their online classes and connect with their friends? Now, well, you know what's interesting? They're most concerned about their grandparents, mm. and they do ask a lot of questions about, you know, are grandma and grandpa going to be okay? Are they, you know, most susceptible? And you know, how are they protecting themselves? And you know. Um, is it okay that grandma stops by every once in a while? So it, it, it's kind of lovely that they're thinking about their grandparents that way. Yes. Um, they're not as concerned about their own safety. I think they feel safe knowing that they're in the house and, and protected there. Um, but they do worry about their grandparents. Right. And what a, you mentioned, though, that a, a, sometimes the grandparent or grandparents will stop by. So there mm-hmm. is a little bit of that contact. 
There is, and we have, you know, we have Purell right at the door, and then we we still we don't hug or shake hands or anything. We we keep our distance even when they come in the house, and it's not very often, um, but like once a week, and I go check on my parents uh, like once a week um, because they need that connection too. You know, it's it it when they're not working and they're stuck at home, that that can be lonely as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so with the kids, too, you were mentioning that, you know, they still have their virtual classes. How do they uh, react to that? Are they able to focus on it? Do you keep them focused? How are you managing that? So the most important thing that we did, um, and because I've talked to other friends that maybe have not been as successful, um, we put a schedule up on day one. And we put it on the refrigerator and we put it in the kids' rooms by their desks. And we are staying on a schedule during the weekdays, just like we do for school. So they're getting up at the same time. They're getting up at 7 a.m. They're having their breakfast. And then by 9 a.m., they are sitting at their desk and ready to work. And so they have subjects, um, you know, 9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, and then they get a break from 12 to 1, and they um, you know, can go play outside, um, ride their bike around the block, uh, eat some lunch. And then from 1 to 3, again, they're scheduled. And what I have found is really not just kids. We all thrive when we have structure, and we're able to adapt better if we know what is coming, even if it's just an hour ahead. And... So they've really adapted. I'm really proud of them. They've really adapted well. They've stuck to the schedule. There's no complaining about having to get up or, you know, to go to bed on time. And they're keeping up with the schoolwork. We have had to help um, really more at the beginning. We're, we're about four weeks into this now. Um, just figuring out, you know, where all the information is on their portals and, you know, on the Google Classroom and all of that. But Four weeks into it, they, they're pretty self-sufficient. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> they may decide that they really prefer this. <laughs> <laughs> no, they no. really miss the interaction. I will tell you that. They they definitely miss their friends. They miss their teachers. You know, I mean, they're at in middle school age. They, they still like their teachers. Um, <laughs> and, and I think they miss the structure of, School, you know, going from class to class and having sports and having recess and um, we can't provide all of that. <laughs> right. Not, not to that degree. That's for sure. And 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 I do feel for for all the kids who have a lot of sport activity that that's been really quite an adjustment to not be able to be working at and on that and and, you know, with their teams, that sort of thing. Yeah, it, it is. We, our school has done a nice job. The coaches have sent out weekly workouts for the kids. Um, it's track season right now. And so, you know, they give them sort of drills and, and um, exercises to do. It's not the same as being with your coach and being with your teammates, but it's something. And um, so our kids tend to get on their bikes and uh, ride around the neighborhood. Um, but yeah, the, the, the team sports is kind of gone for a while. 
Right. And so thinking of that from a practical standpoint, kids on their bikes, I guess there could be many kids out, but they're just making sure that they space themselves, correct? Yeah, and we live um, in an area where um, the neighborhoods aren't, you know, houses are pretty spread apart, and so it's not overly crowded. And so they're able to be out and, you know, they may see two or three other people on their uh, ride around the block. So they're able to keep their distance and they know not to stop, not to touch anyone, not to get too close to anybody. Um, if, they're, if they are going to talk to somebody, it's on the other side of the street kind of thing. Um, so we've just, you know, we've prepared them with all the safety precautions. But I feel like they still need to be kids and they still need to get out and be active and be in the sunshine if it is sunny. And, um, you know, if we if we literally lock them up inside, um, a part of their soul kind of gets crushed. Yeah, right. Well, and the physical activity, moving around is really important. And it's not enough just to walk from room to room or go up and down the stairs, if that's the case. We need to have some other experience and being in the sunshine, as you say, uh, get that fresh air. Absolutely. Even my husband and I, I mean, we are, I've been getting up early still, my normal schedule, you know, 5, 5.30, get out, go for a run or um, get on our, we have a, a bike in the house that we can ride. But I've uh, made it a ritual that I still am going to do my physical activity every day. Because for me, it's the number one driver of my daily happiness. It gets the endorphins going. Um, it just makes, it, it kicks my day off uh, in a good direction. And so I didn't want to lose that during this sort of odd time. And I think that this is also an opportunity. So you have already an in-place kind of direction. I was always too busy and it's like, yeah, I know I need to exercise. I'm just kind of incorporating it into my day to day. Well, this has been an opportunity to set aside time to actually get out and take walks where it felt like, you know, I was too busy to be able to incorporate that. So I think this is a time that's availing us of being able to plan something new and and positive in our lives. Absolutely. And, you know, there's no excuses anymore, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, every evening after after work, you know, we close down work in the books and we take the dog on a walk. And a lot of times I'll listen to podcast or uh, catch up on, you know, a news uh, podcast or something. But just to get out, be outside, um, you know, still separate from people, um, but... I don't know. There's something about being outside of the house that makes you feel connected to the world mm -hmm. and um, gives you a little mental boost, emotional boost, maybe, too. And it, there's a peacefulness about it these days because there isn't as much traffic all around. So, <laughs> right? It's, there's a quietness. It's, so it's peaceful. Very true. Yes. It's almost... You have to get used to it, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> But it's, yes, it takes getting used to, and it's a great awareness that maybe, again, going forward, we'll find ourselves making sure we take some time to just kind of be slowed down. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a great time to, you know, I started journaling again, and just things that kind of got pushed aside, but take a little extra time for ourselves and be a little introspective and 
you know, what do we really want in this world and for our lives and for our families? And, and then, you know, write those goals down and then move towards those. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a great time to reassess everything. Yes. Yes. It's almost uh, because it's the whole world. It's not just, uh, you know, this little community. Everyone is in the same boat, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when is this ever going to happen? Or when has this ever happened in our lifetime? Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah. So the other part of it, of doing something for ourselves, uh, I've heard people say, you know, and I know I know that's true for us, that we're taking more time to, to cook and to, you know, think about nutrition on a different level. What about your family? Absolutely. So my husband loves to cook, but he um, commutes to D.C. on a normal, uh, normal basis. He, his job is in Washington, D.C., and so he's gone during the week. Now that we're all home, we have had the most amazing sit-down family dinners every night, which is just so wonderful, Um, and we're all cooking together pretty much every night. So um, we've, you know, new recipes. The kids every once in a while will pick what they want. I think we're doing Indian food tonight, Um, but it's, it's been a way for the family to reconnect when historically we might do that just on Sunday nights before dad leaves you know, Monday morning. And because uh, during the week, my husband was gone, kids would have sports or some sort of activity or, you know, too much homework. And so the dinner time just gets looked over. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's a great time for us to reconnect, talk as a family, you know, bond with the kids, try new recipes. And yeah, just enjoy that. And there's such a value in having kids being part of the whole cooking experience, not just for what they learn, but just uh, that connection to what foods we have, what we do with them. And yeah, there's a, a big education in that too. There is. And what we have found is if the kids cook it, they will eat it. And so we did a lasagna, but we had zucchini and spinach and a few other vegetables that normally the kids might snub their noses at, but because they made it, you know, they sat down and they're like, wow, this is really good. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's bringing other foods into their diet that um, they might normally say, oh, that's gross or I don't want that. So that's been a um, very good transition for us. So here, here we are again, you know, just finding new experiences that hopefully will, if not become real permanent, at least will get incorporated from time to time in our lives going forward. Yes, absolutely. Um, my daughter and I have, she loves to bake. And so we've been um, baking bread every week, which we had never done before. Uh-huh. Um, she had always baked cookies and cakes and that kind of thing, but... Um, so we've made a French bread and we did a challah bread. And I mean, it, it's just really fun to try new things and be creative and, and let them explore. Um, and hopefully they carry that forward then in their life. Exactly. And so that is a great way to uh, spend this time with kids that, you know, usually we'd be on the run. And of course, you still need to leave the home for your for your business part of the time. But there is more time to be able to focus on that and and connect and have some great lessons that are aside from lessons in the classroom. Yes. And we've spent like we've um, for the first time played Scrabble 
with the kids and they loved it. And, um, you know, we played a lot of Monopoly. We've, <laughs> we've played dominoes. But again, things that we're usually too busy for, or honestly, as parents, we're too tired, you know, to engage with the kids in this stuff. We've been able to make it a daily part of life now. So there is, again, that silver lining. You have to always look for the silver lining, right? I mean, that's, to me, that's, that's how I survive in life is always look for the positive and then move towards the positive. Um, because if you focus on the negative, I mean, if you watch the news 24 hours a day, you will lose your soul. So, you know, we have a very limited time that we're, it's really PBS news hour at 6 PM. We watch that and then it's, it's off. And so looking for opportunities to engage with the kids, be positive and find the goodness in the world. Well, Elise Dickerson, I so appreciate that you are who you are, that living your life the way you have, you're willing to share your experience with us, giving us some insights and ideas and and encouragement uh, that there are these gifts that we have and we can maximize on them and make our life better. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure.